Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana, over there. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. Uh, we've been very busy with our lives in the last week or so. Uh, you know what? We, we may or may not have multiple platforms to talk baseball now, um, but this is our Major League Baseball platform, and we're getting back to that today, which is, which is dope. Yeah, getting back to it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, there's... For those unaware, there are there are multiple leagues to uh, enjoy some baseball. Yeah. So, uh, specifically one in New England. Check out the New England Collegiate Baseball League because uh, that's a good one to watch. And uh, go to watch.necbl.com to uh, to experience the uh, and also uh, and also subscribe to the daily newsletter. Yes. To uh, check out our game recaps every day, check our social medias at the NECVL on Instagram and Twitter for uh, a video that I just made about our uh, recipients of our weekly award recipients for this week, our player and pitcher of the week. Chris and I, uh, yeah, we're, we're expanding our baseball horizons this summer. Uh, we're going, we're talking about college ball as well, which yeah, is, which for is sure. it's, been, for it's sure. been dope. It's been very fun. Yeah, it has been. It has been. Um, still, still getting used to it for sure, but, uh, it's a, it's a good world out there. Um, Absolutely. so also just note, shout out to both of us wearing Springfield shirts right now, completely unplanned. Oh yeah. I, I didn't realize that. Too, I didn't notice that until a second ago. Yeah. Two, uh, yeah, just different styles. And then I got the Springfield college, uh, banner in the back, you know, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a good reminder of, of, uh, where the show started, I guess. Mm-hmm. uh in on the campus of Springfield College but um some news to talk about for sure uh you know kind of a newsworthy past few days at least in terms of how teams are trending the the lineup of the standings but also uh, a big announcement coming from Los Angeles it looks like Walker Bueller who finished I believe fourth in the Cy Young last year um after a very quality season where he had a mid two ZRA, uh, a very low threes fit, um, but was kind of average this year and uh, just was announced to have an injury uh, in his elbow that will keep him out for about three months. Um, and the Dodgers rotation was already kind of, a, you know, it's hard to identify a weak spot with the Dodgers, but if there was one, you could argue that, it might be their starting rotation and it just took a, a big blow uh, with this Walker Bueller news. Yes, it did. Walker Bueller, a strained forearm, I believe it was strained forearm. Uh, that's going to place him on the 15 day IL. He's been shut down for six to eight weeks. So that's, you know, it's around the same. Is it the same injury as Scherzer? Um, I believe Scherzer was an oblique. Okay. It's a, it's the same timeline though. Six to eight weeks. 
yeah. Sergio's throwing bullpens again already, though, which is crazy. But yeah. <laughs> no one's it's, surprised. it's so wild what has happened to this Dodgers rotation. I mean, you, you look back at the start of the 2021 season, there were seven legitimate, like, great starters in there. You know, and since then, Dustin May went down with Tommy John surgery. Uh, there's now Walker Bueller that has gone down. There was a whole thing with a free agent signing that, you know, I think we all know what happened there. That was obviously a little more out of the Dodgers' control. Um, yeah. Clayton Kershaw has had, his, has had his ups and downs going on the injured list last year, this year. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's been tough for them. They've especially been in a tough stretch lately. They got swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates at home a couple of weeks ago. They split a series at home with the New York Mets. They did sweep a mini series in Chicago against the White Sox. And then this weekend, a tough series, they get swept by the Giants, who didn't necessarily put out their best rosters over the weekend. Like, if you go ahead and look at the lineup they put out on Saturday, where they they shut out the Dodgers, I believe, Sam Long uh, started that game for them. And, like, Mike Estremski didn't play that game. Jock Peterson didn't play that game. Several of their more well-known players were on the bench that game. And the Giants ended up winning, what was it, two to four, I think? Two to three, three, two. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was part of the weekend. It's the offense hasn't really been going. The pitching has been all right. Pitching has been fine, honestly. Right. Um, right. But, you know, this, we talked about this being the best team ever assembled in, uh, in March or whenever, yeah, in March when they signed Freddie Freeman, basically. And the Dodgers are currently, they're 37 and 23, which is good. They're still in first place by only half a game. Padres are half a game out. The Giants are three and a half games out. So, I mean, this division is by no means over. You know, they're not running away with it, much like some other teams. You look at the Yankees, you look at the Astros, you know, teams that are in full control of their division right now. The Dodgers are not in that position. And, you know, maybe that's because they have some other talented teams in their division. It's also in a way because they are kind of underperforming and they've had these injuries like to Walker Bueller. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Walker Bueller, like he's obviously, you know, you can debate where he is like on a league scale, but he's definitely 100% a, uh, a key contributor, um, to that Dodgers rotation. Um, and looking at the, uh, statistics of the Dodgers starting rotation, their ERA does lead the league with their fifth is uh, sixth in the league uh, in all of Major League Baseball. Um, it's a 2.73 ERA and a 3.65 FIP. So it indicates that the defense is uh, is kind of helping uh, helping that team out. And also just like looking at the rotations, like strikeout rate, it's not. I think it's not. It's not necessarily what it used to be um, mm-hmm. back in its uh, in its prime, and. You know, Bueller being out of that is gonna is gonna contribute to that. And when I first saw the news, the first thing that came to mind to me was it's like, oh, Dodgers are making another big move at the deadline, and it's probably gonna be they're probably gonna be big on the uh, on the Frankie Montas sweepstakes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you, this is kind of a depleted rotation right now. Like Tony Gonsolin is kind of holding them together, which is. Not what any of us expected, but that's kind of the reality right now. You know, it's been him, Kershaw, 
Um, those have, I guess, I guess been the primary two pitchers that they've had all year. Um, yeah. Arias, Arias as well. He's been our, he's been solid. He's a sub three ERA. Yeah. And uh, Tyler Anderson has been a surprise. Yes, he has um, been. For sure. He's um, got a 307 ERA and a 321 FIP. And some um, excellent strikeout to walk numbers as well. Yeah. Six strikeouts for every walk. Um, um, Tyler Anderson. Looking specifically at Bueller, um, he's obviously like, a, you know, you, you never want a guy to get injured, but there is in, in me, there is sort of some sort of appreciation for this because over his last six starts, Bueller has a six, six, seven ERA with a four ninety FIP. He just has not been himself. And I feel like at this point, maybe we have an answer for that. Yeah, which is definitely sure. a little more comforting, uh, you know, from his, uh, in his first six starts, he had a sub two ERA. And obviously now he's in the mid sixes in this in this span. So, you know, at least at least there's something you can point to, and there's some sort of encouragement that that stretch we saw. You know, there's a reason it happened, and that you know when he comes back, we can see that guy who had a sub two ERA again. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. However, I will say, um, in terms of him coming back, um, it you know the fact that it's a strained forearm. Uh, you know, that's, that's an alarming thing. I think that people point towards, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a snowball effect of like one thing leads to another. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, uh, a lot of the times forearm leads to elbow and I'm not trying to manifest anything, obviously. It's uh, you know, that would be a, a terrible thing. To no, do. no, no, no. And I hope, I hope, uh, Walker Bueller heals up and he ends up being fine. However, the facts are, uh, that, you know, strained forearms it can lead um to worse things i think of you know there's been a few instances like that i mean in recent memory justin verlander went through that in terms of you know he had a forearm injury and then a couple months later he announced he needed tommy john same thing with luis severino um over a longer term scale i remember tyler glass now he had a strained forearm that was that took him out for about four months in 2019 and then, you know, two years later, he needed, uh, he needed Tommy John surgery, um, you know, and Walker Bueller is someone who he's a very hard thrower. He does it in a, he's very young, he's very young and he does it in a bit of a smaller body. So it takes a lot of stress on the arm, a lot of stress on the elbow. Um, and obviously I wish him all the, the best health um, because he also seems like a, a fine person in general, but you know, the, the facts are, is like a strained forearm. It's a, it's a bad sign. It's, it's a different, it's a different thing than if you had some type of knee injury or some type of oblique injury, you know, a strained forearm. Um, you, you have to be careful for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone who's listening knows the, the worst case scenario that Chris is alluding to here. And you never want to hear that with anyone. That's just, that's the worst news that you can ever hear with a pitcher. Yeah, for sure. Um, like we had to, we had to hear it recently with, with Casey Mize of the Tigers. And yeah. it's just, there is nothing more deflating than that news. Yeah. It, it had like, it's very difficult, especially with, um, you know, Walker Bueller. He's, he's a, a few years from, from free agency. And he, you know, he's, Next year would be uh, another year of arbitration for him. Um, 
so it's 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 a time where he could start to make some significant money and you know potentially if this gets worse um that could be taken away from him and um you know recovery from tommy john it's a lot it can take a lot out of pitchers and uh you know it's um it would be a very difficult thing to 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 go through however we are talking worst case scenario and all that we know now is that he's out six to eight weeks from from like throwing straight up right andrew kittredge also just got a recently got Tommy John surgery or it was announced that he was getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think also with the, with the Walker Bueller thing, as I did allude to before, I would be surprised if um, the Dodgers weren't the front runners for Frankie Montas. It just, it just feels After like this. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They just, they've built that reputation for me. And because he, yeah, go ahead. And even if Walker Bueller, Walker Bueller is back in six to eight weeks, like with everything you've alluded to, there's no reason to believe that that can't linger. Absolutely. And and with even without the Bueller news, like I think the Dodgers would have been prime candidates anyway, um, mm-hmm. given that, um, you know, I think they've, they've made deals in the past and I think they would want to make that move in general just to bol- bolster their staff. Um, so that they wouldn't have to rely on necessarily like Tyler Anderson for a playoff game, um, even though he's doing well now. But, but yeah, like, and also with other significant teams who might want Montas, they don't necessarily have a track record of, you know, necessarily getting the guy they want. Um, I'm thinking about kind of the Yankees and maybe outside of Gallo. I don't even know if the, the Yankees really need him with the rotation that they've had throughout the year. Yeah, that's true. They have been performing out of their minds lately. Like, I think it's funny because when you, you know, in years past, when we've talked about the Yankees, it's always been they need more starting pitching help. This year, that's been their biggest strength. You know, the offense has still been what it's been and same with the bullpen, but the rotation has gotten it together and look where it's gotten them. They're what, 42 and 15 right now? Or 44 and 16? Something crazy. Yeah. They're, they're insane. They're... They don't lose games. It's absurd. Like this, as a Red Sox fan, I feel like this is how Yankee fans felt in 2018. I, that's 100, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like they don't lose. It doesn't happen. No matter what the scenario, Garrett Cole gives up five home runs, they still win and convincingly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, wild. Yeah, it is very wild. Um, so, yeah, there's with the Walker Bueller thing, it's, it's, um, it, it sucks for the Dodgers. It could suck worse, but you don't want to like, don't want to dive t- too deep into it, I guess. Yeah, we cross um, that bridge when we get there. Do we want to briefly sure that... talk a little bit about, I, I, we didn't like think about it before the show, but do we briefly want to talk about the Casey Mize thing? Yeah, we can do that. Because um, yeah, that's, that's tough news. Um, the Tigers are kind of a developing team. We thought they'd develop a little bit more this year, but they kind of haven't shown that this far and part of it might be that you know Casey Mize has been out for most of the year but yeah Casey Mize uh obviously number one overall draft pick in uh the 2018 MLB, 2018 MLB draft um he was a top prospect coming up uh he's pitched a couple years in the big leagues um 
I think yeah, last year was officially his rookie season, and he was good from an ERA standpoint, three seven one ERA. Uh, he was clearly um, developing, getting better. Uh, was only able to make two starts this year, and then you know just got Tommy John. Um, you know that's a tough one from it. You know another young pitcher, uh, just where his. His success is going to have to be a little delayed. Uh, I think the most painful thing about this is that this is probably the worst time of year to get Tommy John surgery as far as, you know, what we're looking at as far as a return standpoint, because not only is Casey Myers unquestionably out for 2022, but we're not even really sure about 2023 at this point. Like if he's back in 2023, it's going to be late in the season, August, September at the absolute earliest. There's really no there's really no looking around that. So the Tigers, you know, they're, they're in a stage right now where they really can't be having this happen. They need guys like Casey Mize to help the team as they are up and coming in this division and not having him for these next two years is, is really going to be tough on them. Yeah. That's a great point you make. Like they, like uh, it, you know, it's June. So yeah, it, mm-hmm. the recovery time, you know, getting back into competition, it takes, you know, like 15, 16 months, typically, you know, every, every case is different, but like, yeah, like Chris Sale is an example I'm thinking of where he got Tommy John surgery in like March of 2020. Yeah. March of 2020. And he came back around August of 2021. So yeah, that's um, 16 months. And And not only that, but like, once you, once you come back, it's not like you're just you know, going seven innings, throwing a hundred pitches, like you have to be very limited in, in your, your counts. So, you know, if, and when, or if Casey Mize is back in 2023, he's going to have be on pitch limits. You know, he's not going to be able to go through a big chunk of the game and whatever position the Tigers are in come 2023, you know, without Casey Mize, they're not going to be in the position they want to be in. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Like, He's, you know, as you kind of allude to, he's not going to be at like full Casey Myers potential until 2024, mm-hmm. most likely. At the bad uh, best, in, yeah. Unless he has this uh, a crazy recovery time. Um, at, the, at this age, I don't see that happening. Yeah, it just, it just uh, like just doesn't typically happen. Um, and and yeah, and the Tigers are definitely going to be safe with him because he is a, a valuable asset to that to that franchise in general. I mean, he was, you know, when they had the first pick uh, four years ago, you know, he was the guy that they were that they took. So obviously, has a lot of value. He's in his age twenty five season, so you know, even when he comes back, he'll be in his mid to late twenties. So it's a very valuable asset. So they will, um, they will, you know, be careful with him and the success of the, of the tigers, the highest success will probably be in the next few years when, yeah, Casey Mize is fully back. Tarek's Google will probably be, you know, continuing success and Torkelson and Riley green will have a a, a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years under their belt. Um, the the really tough thing about this is that, like when when the Tigers drafted Casey Mize, 
if you if you asked Alavila like which years are you really thinking about in terms of his success, he's probably saying twenty twenty two to twenty three. Yeah, that's sure. probably right around exactly like in twenty eighteen. That's what you're thinking. Oh yeah, especially like that's you know it at, that's when you're going to be like closer to full develop closer to full development and just getting some valuable uh, valuable years from him, but unfortunately going to be set back um, for uh, probably a good year or so, um, unfortunately for him and the Tigers, but, uh, but yeah, unfortunate situation. Um, anything else uh, you want to talk about with these two pitchers before we get into uh, some of the some of the surging or not surging teams. I guess the one pitcher who recently got Tommy John that we didn't really go in depth about, it was Andrew Kittredge. That's another tough one for the Rays. And luckily they have, you know, they've, they're known for having plenty of relief pitchers that yeah, uh, can be readily available. That's one of your best ones though. Like it's, this has kind of been a trend with Rays relievers. Like a lot of them, eventually get injured, mostly Tommy John surgery. Like, this has been a theme. You look at, like, Chaz Rowe when he was there, Yanni Chirinos. Um, like, there yeah. are obviously obviously Glass now, like you alluded to earlier, not a relief pitcher, but, you know, that same thing happened. Yeah, it's uh, it's dangerous out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chaz Rowe – did Chaz Rowe ever get Tommy John? Um, yes, he did. Like, I remember last year looking at their injury report. Yeah, like Colin Poche – uh, Jalen Beeks got it as well. Tyler Glass now. Like there were like four or five people in the race that had Tommy John. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing over there, um, especially for some for a team that's like always praised for their development. How they run their yeah. That's their one falter. It is a legitimate concern that I think doesn't really get talked about a lot. Is because, like, that doesn't feel like a fluke. Like, there's got to be some sort of flaw in the way that they go about developing their pitchers in that so many of them end up with Tommy John surgery. Yeah, like, um, and, yeah, it's not, like, they don't seem to be guys that they've just acquired from an organ- organization. Yeah, it's guys that, I mean, yeah, exactly, um, yeah. It seems to be guys they've developed for at least a couple of years. Like, I mean, you I even have. look at the guys that they that they got from other organizations, like Peter Fairbanks. He's been he's he's on the sixty day IL right now, but he had been with the team a couple of years. Never really had injury histories beforehand. JT Chajwa, they got from the Mariners last year. He's hurt on the sixty day IL. Luis Patino, they got from the Padres. Same thing. Like these are guys that are on the sixty day IL. Yeah, it's um, it's as our as our segment says it's slightly alarming it's more than slightly alarming i would yeah. say it's alarming it, it's very alarming we'll say that it yeah i mean like um like it, it was kind of a cliche like a few years ago to talk about like the mets training staff because they mm-hmm. can never keep their guys healthy that narrative has kind of gone away like yeah let's take a look at like the Rays training staff and like yeah i feel like the Rays don't like the mets got so much more attention for that the Rays probably have it worse yeah they're killing pitchers arms (laughs) yeah it's uh it's tough um yeah i have 
I have no idea what that's about, but I mean, they, they do get guys that to throw harder and sometimes I can have its consequences. If you're, if you're throwing harder than um, maybe your body is meant to, uh, it can, it can lead to things. Maybe that, maybe the stable of guys that are throwing 98, uh, you know, the development of that can be in question a little bit. It's not good for the long term. Yeah. Yeah, like you have that guy for a season and then, you know. And then you have him again in three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Yeah, maybe part of the system of development is an elbow surgery. Um, as dark as that would be. Yeah, and it's like, it's almost like the Rays have that mapped out. It's like, all right, you know, we're projecting 2021. This guy is going to be a major part of our team. He's going to help us try to win a world series and in 2022 he's gonna get tommy john unfortunately yeah. <laughs> you know he'll come back late 2023 and we'll see what happens there like it really it almost seems like that's that's the blueprint yeah i mean like where where is what ha- whatever happened to nick anderson too by the way uh he has a i mean he was hurt last year and he's hurt this year as well he's a strained back so that's much different yeah that might be more of a him thing that could be, yeah. Because injuries happen regardless of who training staffs are. So, yeah, you know, that one might just be – that one might just be him. Yeah, could be. Could be for sure. Um, yeah. Sadly, that's not even, like, close to the biggest story revo- involving the Rays bullpen right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold yeah. On. Jason. We'll, we'll hold that conversation for hopefully never, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not, you know, we're, we're more of an analytical show, so yeah, we'll stave away from that. <laughs> talk about, yeah. talk about the numbers. Um, but anyway, uh, so speaking of numbers, where should we start? The Braves have won what? 11 in a row? 11 in a row. Um, yeah, they are, doing an early simulation of the 2021 uh like redo they're only yeah, five and a half, half games over. back of the Mets yeah. right now they're screwing themselves over yeah well what are you doing you're supposed to wait two months for this yeah geez gonna yeah like oh you're gonna now reacquire jock peterson no, you can't you can't acquire him he's too good. no he's 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 too good and he's on a team that actually needs yeah. him yeah yeah, he's gonna cost you way much, way more now. Yeah, sorry, you can't trade for Jorge Soler. He's too expensive. He's too expensive. Yeah, he's under contract. Under contract with your division. Although they did trade for a Marlins outfielder last year, uh, in That's Adam true. Duvall. Although I don't know, Duvall was always a brave. Uh, even when he, he was he a Marlin, he was a brave. Even when he was a Red. Yeah. <laughs> before he was a brave yeah he was just a yeah he's, he's always when he was in the 2016 home run derby i was like there goes braves legend adam duvall who has <laughs> never stepped foot in the home clubhouse at turner field at that point yeah yeah um yeah the braves have won 11 in a row they're feeding off some uh some some bad competition for sure um i i should pull up uh you know what? They're they're doing what they got to do. Exactly. Like, you know, people people will be like, you know, they're facing 
the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the A's, the Pirates. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. But it's like you're expected to go yeah. maybe eight and three, nine and two. But they're mm-hmm. you know, they're going away. And if you do that, that's there's nothing wrong with that. No one's going to criticize the Braves for being like, well, you only went eight and three against those four opponents. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're oh wow, and they got the Nationals and Cubs as the next two series, and then they have the Giants and Dodgers. So yeah. So, so they so really they should they if they're not on a 17 game win streak, what are we doing? Like it's yeah. time to sell. Ronald Acuna Jr. is not the future of this team. You know, you're paying him way too much. Same with Ozzy Albies, same with every other player on your team that is just way too overpaid. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 35 million. Come on. 35 million. That's not and that's not, no not per year, like just yeah, the whole contract. <laughs> literally uh yeah atlanta um pitching wise on this 11 game win streak they have a 247 era and a 274 fip and uh are third in pitcher f4 um so that's good from that perspective and then their lineup which is what they're they're more known for um i'll get the stats for that but uh, you know, they've just been – it seems like they've had mostly easy wins as well. Um, like, yeah. you know, they've, they scored – in each of these series, that's – in each of their last three series, they've had a 10-run game at least, like a double-digit run game. Yeah. So it hasn't been very stressful for the Braves uh, for the most part. And yeah, so they're they're third in pitcher F four and they're third in pitcher in position player F four as well uh, in this span. Um, so like you know they're getting it done from all angles. Uh, I guess we should talk about what this could mean for the NL East. It means it might not be as much of a runaway as we think. Yeah, like like I mentioned, they're only five and a half, half games back of the Mets. Who were up, I think, like, what, nine games at the most? Uh, Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this one, I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of time left. It's weird because the Mets haven't even played bad lately. Like, they haven't been, you know, like they haven't been amazing like they were, or should I say amazing like they were in, in April and May. But yeah. Yeah, there hasn't like been Atlanta, a It's also the fact that Philadelphia has been doing so well since they fired Girardi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the Mets, uh, the Mets haven't collapsed by any means. They're 40 and 22. They have the best record in the National League. Yeah, they do. They are, I mean, they aren't, you know, playing their best baseball either, but they aren't playing their best baseball. But like, you know, they're doing like, they're doing decent for them not having Scherzer and DeGrom around. For um, sure. As well and... as McGill for some time. He's back now, but. Uh, yeah, they are yeah. currently six and five in June, so that's not the greatest. And they played the Dodgers, um, the Padres, the Angels. Yeah, they played. Which, the you Do- know, the Angels aren't exactly the opponent they used to be right now, but yeah, but they did play still, the Dodgers still a and the solid Padres team. on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you know, they they did kind of they they treaded water for sure. Um, so, yeah, the with that division race, like, I, 
even when the Mets were at their largest deficit, like, you know, you always knew there was the looming threat of the Braves. It was just a matter of, it wasn't a matter of if they were going to get hot. It was a matter of when, and Mm -hmm. you know, now they're getting hot and, and yeah, this is just something the Mets are going to have to deal with. So it's kind of a thing like how are the Mets going to respond? I think, I think we kind of know what the Braves are going to do. They're probably going to be like their win total on the year is probably going to be like low to mid nineties. And it's like, can the Mets match that? So we'll see. Mike Petriello had a really interesting article uh, a few weeks ago for MLB.com talking about how like the Mets, if you look at the numbers, they've been like on the luckier side, like they had one of the lower hard hit rates in baseball, but they have one of the best batting averages. They definitely lead the bit league in batting average. I know that. Um, Mm -hmm. But Petriello mentioned that like half their schedule to that point had been against the four worst defensive teams in the league. It was the, uh, the Rockies, Giants, Phillies, and Nationals. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. That's some which is very intriguing. Process. It was a very good read. I would if it's it's on the uh, it's still on the baseball savant front page. You have to scroll down a little bit, but I, I would definitely give it a read. But I, I yeah. checked it out. Anytime I read one of those articles, for sure. Anytime I read one of those articles, I love it. Um, uh, he mentioned so. Apparently, there's a stat on Savant where it's like the uh, the OAA against you, essentially. So it's like how good or bad the defense is against your offense. The Mets were at negative 24. And the the second best was the Rockies at negative 18. Yeah, so like they're there have been very poor defenses against the Mets. Maybe that was part of Buck Schalter's plan coming in. Uh, but he also mentioned... Um, so in 32 games against Colorado, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Washington, the team had a 335 BABIP, uh, a 770 OPS, 5.6 runs per game. And then in all the other games, 282 BABIP, 713 OPS, four and a half runs per game. So they were definitely performing much better against the teams with the poor defenses. That is definitely something that's worth looking into because I did mention earlier in the season, it seems like they've only played the Phillies and Nationals. Um, yeah, well – yeah, you said that the that the four worst defenses were what Nationals, Phillies, Rockies, Rockies Giants, Giants. Um, okay, so they're not all bad pitching staffs. Like no, Phillies, Phillies and Giants have uh, reputable pitching mm-hmm. staffs. So yeah, um, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, so I mean that that could be a part of how the NLE still goes. I mean they still have games against the Phillies and Nationals, just not as many as they have to this point. Um, yeah, that is, that is something to consider. Cause yeah, that offense has been performing pretty well, um, Very after well. not really performing that well last year, um, mm-hmm. had some down years from some guys, um, and they're, uh, picking it up this year. So yeah, that should be interesting to watch. Yes. Um, and the Braves are always a looming threat. They've been, you know, there's a reason why they've won. The division in the last you know four years in a row uh from 2018 to 2021 um so yeah I, I, the, the the nl east isn't over and that doesn't even just mean you know mets braves like the phillies are very much still in it in my opinion oh yeah like there's there's something off the field like that you know there there are some things oh excuse me there are some things that numbers can't really measure 
Mm-hmm. And what's going on with the Phillies, like, there's more than, uh, like, you know, just stats you can go off. There's there's something in the clubhouse probably going on there. Um, yeah. And then, and yeah, I, I do recall saying that if the Mets are, like, at least three up when Scherzer and DeGrom are back, watch out. Um, I don't know. I think I still stand by that, but it's very possible that they're not uh, three games up when Scherzer and DeGrom come back. Cause that's, you know, that'll be another month or so. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep tabs on that for sure. Um, so I guess that transitions, yeah. Into the Philadelphia Phillies who won nine in a row up until Sunday when they uh, lost to the D backs. Um, but yeah, they won nine in a row and even with that loss, they've won, they've won nine out of 10 since uh, losing Joe Girardi. Losing. Um, or yeah, since, yeah, they, they couldn't find him. Really tough that they lost Joe Girardi, like completely against their own will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that contract they, ran out. Know, hopefully, hopefully they find him again. Yeah, I hate when, I hate when. The season's kind of on hold right now. In the middle of the season, they just. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't couldn't find a number uh but yeah they since they fired you know, fired joe girardi um they've won nine out, nine out of ten well what are we thinking about what are we thinking about these phillies well i mean the offense has been coming back right i mean it's not just been bryce harper this time it's been several different people what day did they fire girardi exactly um 2022 yes okay uh i forget well it's when it's it's the it's before they started winning so i have to find that i have to find when the winning streak started uh Uh, june 3rd june oh june 3rd wait so that's when the head that's when the headlines came out but anyway since then Hmm. uh the phillies offense has the number five f4 in baseball and in fact they have the number one offense in the national league they have a 148 weighted runs created plus. That is fourth in the majors, first in the National League once again. Nice. Uh, and, you know, what we talked about when they fired Joe Girardi was that the offense wasn't doing its thing and how the team couldn't really go if the offense wasn't going because that was probably the biggest X factor in that team. But Bryce Harper, you know, he's been doing his usual thing, 382 batting average, 244 weighted runs created plus. Bryson Stott, your player to watch, Chris. 313 with a 202 weighted runs created plus over the span. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, Didi Gregorius is a 215 weighted runs created plus. I wasn't ready to see that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Odubel Herrera has a 164, but that's kind of just par for the course for him. Yeah. um, And uh, I believe during this winning streak, or maybe, I don't know if it was updated, but they had. They had, I think, the best FIP in Major League Baseball going. Yes, I believe it was rotation. The rotation had their best, oh, the the best FIP. Yeah, um, like the rotation was the only thing during the time they were losing that was performing because, you know, we talked about how, like, the bullpen and defense, you already can't really expect much from, especially the defense. But, you know, the offense wasn't doing its thing and therefore nothing could really go. Right, yeah. Um and like I'm looking at uh I'm looking at their schedule and like yeah they've they did take advantage of um the Angels on a bad turn and 
you know, the, the Diamondbacks in general. Well, like, you know, they, in a game in which Corbin Burns started, they scored uh, eight runs. And I'm trying to look at uh, Corbin Burns' line. Yeah, Corbin Burns um, had, had uh, three runs allowed, one earned run. But overall, the, the pitching staff allowed six earned runs. And the Phillies were, uh, you know, did well in that game. They also hit three home runs off of Adrian Hauser. And uh, Hauser's, you know, been over the past couple of years kind of under the radar, a pretty good ground ball, soft contact pitcher. One of your favorites, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's a, he's a, a fun, you know, fun pitcher to talk about a little bit. But, hit, you know, and hitting three home runs off of him is, is kind of hard given that he is a ground ball pitcher and um, a softer contact guy. But, yeah, like uh, the Phillies offense is, yeah, they've, they've definitely been doing it. So I guess that transitions into, like, how much of a role is the new management or just the idea of a change? How much does that have to do with it? Obviously, we don't I think know, it's- but we can speculate. I think it's definitely more, I mean, I'm not in the Phillies clubhouse, so I can't really make this decision, but I feel like it is more just the idea of change than anything else. Like, I don't think there was ever, you know, it was never reported at least in Philadelphia media definitely would be one to report this if it existed, but there was never any tension specifically between Joe Girardi and the players. So I can't imagine that they, you know, that the players just wanted him out and that they are playing well almost to like spite him. I think it's more just, hey, like we're under new management. Like they're doing, they're making some sort of big change to the team. Like bigger changes are coming if we don't turn this around. So we got to turn this around. And I think that's kind of just what's happened. And you mentioned, Chris, you know, they played the Angels during that 14 game losing streak. They played the Diamondbacks. And like we just made the point of, well, you're supposed to do that. You know, they did what they're supposed to do. But I, I think they did beyond that. Like they went nine and one in the first 10 games outside of, or, you know, after the Girardi firing, because what they, uh, they won nine in a row. They lost the finale to the Diamondbacks at home. Like whatever, that's going to happen. Can't win them all. But if you ask Phillies fans what they want over the next 10 games with Girardi gone, I bet most of them would have said like six and four, seven and three. Yeah. Like nine and one, I feel like would have been too much to ask. And that's what they got. So I think they did beyond what they were expected to do, even given the competition. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly for sure uh, about that. And uh, yeah, the, the Phillies. Yeah. I'm wondering like what, what there is to speculate about the clubhouse. Maybe it was just a thing, a, a message to the players. Um because I mean, I can't, I can't imagine Joe Girardi's like, you know, st- uh, strategics or whatever are making that much of an impact. He was probably more there because he had been in a lot of major league clubhouses before um, and just kind of had that experience. So maybe just taking out him, putting in a new guy, it's new energy. Maybe there's potential there. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of weird because you know obviously we're not in clubhouses and there's a thing that only the players really know about in terms of like why maybe there might be a new energy. Who knows? Uh, we have some kind of breaking news. Nice uh, about a team we were just talking about. Um, 
hang on, let me just pull this up so I can make sure I have the story right. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez placed on the restrict on the restricted list will not rejoin the team due to personal matters. All right. Um, um, I don't know if that's for the year, if it's for like now, because I know that he was on the IL due to a like there's something with his rib cage, uh, which sounds that is probably concerning because Erod has a history of uh, heart issues when he got COVID a couple of years ago. Yeah. I wonder if this is it's okay. It's just until further notice, so it can be whenever. Yeah. So hypothetically, he could be back in a few days, but you know, it, I, I doubt guess, it's a few days. Yeah. No. I, like if I he was, agree. you know, because he's already not on the active roster. Obviously, I feel like they could have just extended his IL time if that was the thing. Yeah. That's um, true. Yeah, I hope I hope everything's okay. Like he's getting put on the restricted list, which means uh, he would not be getting paid during this time. So, you know, I hope you know it does kind of worry me. Just whether this is personal life, whether this is health reasons, I don't know exactly what his his rationale is for this. But we wish him the best, and uh, yeah, we'll have to just see what what happens from here on, I guess. Yeah, I didn't know about um, the restricted list um, doesn't allow for pay. So, yeah, that does sound more serious. Yeah. Um, yeah, hope everything's okay. But uh, that's, that's another tough one for the Tigers. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, already, you know, it's been a, been a down year for them already. And with the Casey Mines thing, brings that down more. And then with this, you know, one of the two – very huge, uh, or maybe not huge, but pretty big uh, free agent acquisitions. Um, you know, going on the restricted list first year of the contract. Um, so, wondering what that could be about. Um, should we? Do we want to talk uh, more about the Phillies, or should we get into uh, the Brewers and their struggles? I think I had said everything I felt like saying about the Phillies, so we can get into Milwaukee if you got nothing else. Yeah, so the Brewers have lost 10 of their last 12. Uh, before yesterday, they had lost eight in a row before defeating the mighty Washington Nationals. Um, and they are now, after, a pretty, after having a pretty comfortable lead in the NL Central, they are now uh, out of the lead and half a game behind the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it's necessarily about uh, with the team. I think they've kind of struggled on all fronts in general. Uh, what have been your takeaways from the Brewers' struggles? Well, I mean, the Brewers, in this, in this specific competitive window that they've had, and I'd say that means between – 2020 and 2022 because it's funny they have they've been to the playoffs every year since 2018 but the core is nothing like it was in 2018 yeah like that was their that was their best playoff run they were one game away from the world series they've made the playoffs every single year but so much has changed since then like i how many players are steven still left from that roster like brandon woodruff christian yelich lorenzo kane 
Yeah, and like, not and none of them are playing a similar role at all as they no. were in twenty eighteen. No, exactly. Like there is nothing that is similar except for Craig Council is the manager, and that is it. And I guess I guess Josh Hader is a significant early. I guess Josh Hader is probably the one but, constant. But Jeremy Jeffress is not closing games for them anymore. No, Corey Knable isn't coming out of that door. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jesus Aguilar is not randomly going to put up a 130 OPS plus for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That team, Manny Pena, gone. Joey, Jesus Aguilar, Joey gone. Jonathan VR, gone. Orlando Arcia, gone. Travis Shaw, gone. Ryan Braun, gone. Lorenzo Kane, Christian Yellow, still there. Fernand Perez, gone. Eric Thames, gone. Domingo Santana, gone. Mike Moustakis, Eric Kratz, Jonathan Scope. Gone. Keon Broxton, Brad Miller, Curtis Granderson, G-Man Choi, Brett Phillips. Gone. Going into the rotation. Yolis Shasin is still not the ace of the... <laughs> this team. Yeah. <laughs> Yolis Shasin, gone. Chase Anderson, gone. Junior Guerra, gone. Brett Suter, I think, still there, but I think he's a reliever now. Wade Miley, gone. Freddie Peralta, hurts. Corey Knable, gone. Josh Hader, the one constant. Jeremy Jeffress, gone. Dan Jennings, gone. Taylor Williams, gone. Zach Davies, gone. Jacob Barnes, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, but they only pitched 42 and 38 innings that year. So, yeah, it doesn't really count. The opener who just happened to hit a home run against Clayton Kershaw. Yes. That's what he was known for. That is exactly what he was known for in that year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wade Miley is not coming out of that bullpen to, to face one batter. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, wow. That is such a wild thing how. Like it's it's definitely a credit to their organization how they can just undergo like a quiet rebuild while still being successful in a small market. Yeah. Yeah. Like the worst season they had was 2020, where they went 29 and 31, still made the playoffs because of the expanded playoff format, did exactly what they should have done in those playoffs and lose to the Dodgers in two. Yeah. Like and yeah, they've won. You know, yeah, won the division two of those times as well. Um, and yeah, yes. like, uh, so yeah, they've they've been interesting as far as this um, bad stretch for the Brewers. They in, have a bad offense in their last twelve games. They have a seventy-eight weighted runs created plus. That is only only the Tigers and the Rockies have been worse um, over the last well since may 31st which is when their struggles really began to uh begin to show and then in terms of their pitching um have you seen the top like five players that they have an f4 um position actually this yeah position players top four it's it's wild um yeah now like for the season and then uh, pitching-wise, over the stretch, they have a 5.57 ERA, uh, which is fifth worst. And their fifth is 5.45. Wow, is, that's not like them because they're like they usually worst. have a very good strikeout to walk numbers. Yeah, they're strict. They have uh, as a as an entire staff, the Milwaukee Brewers in their last twelve games have 7.76 strikeouts per nine, 3.54 walks per nine. And 1.9 home runs per nine, which is a, re- a real killer. Um, yes. Like, uh, which, and, you know, I think it's easier to fix that than it would be strikeout to walk 
numbers. Um, mm -hmm. But it makes me think of where they were at before this stretch, um, potentially as a staff. As we'll wait, no, not May 1st, April 1st would be better. And yeah, just double checking on Connell Milwaukee. Yeah, before before the stretch, so I mentioned their FIP was second worst, but before the stretch, Milwaukee's FIP was second best in the league. And their strikeout number, they had over 10 strikeouts per nine, which led the league by a good amount too. Um, now it's less than eight in this 12-game stretch. Uh, their walk numbers were uh, a bit lower and their home run numbers were about cut in half. So yeah, it's, um, the strikeout numbers are almost the most alarming thing. Like, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, that's not like them. Yeah, not at all. Um, I did see that Corbin Burns in his start against Philly, he only had three strikeouts and four and a third. Has um, Corbin Burns already given up like more home runs than last year? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> because he's at 1.1 home runs per nine. He gave up, what, seven last year? I think he gave up seven total home runs. He currently has given up nine home runs. Yep, more than last yes, year. that is more. I can tell you that is more. I don't know exactly the number, but it definitely wasn't nine. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, leads the league in strikeouts. And let's be a weight fit. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's all fine. It's you know, he's he's good. He's not as elite as he was last year, but that's I, not even a fair comparison. Yeah, no, it's it wouldn't be fair. <laughs> wouldn't be fair at all. Um it really disappointing that Corbin Burns does not have one of the greatest FIP seasons in the modern era. Yeah, it's year like he did last year. Nice wow, yeah, they're I mean, they're pitching F four is dead last by a lot. Yeah, my slightly alarming is Corbin Burns. He's not going full ninety nine Pedro this year. That's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, so the Brewers. Um, I don't know. Like, I think it's just kind of a it's kind of a bad stretch for them, but. Um, it almost feels a little bit like last year, like the Brewers were kind of lagging in the first couple months last year. It wasn't necessarily one bad streak, but um, an they were under 500 in late May. Yeah, an infamous Nico Fasella text. I kind of yes. struck the Brewers. <laughs> it was it was May 27th. Uh, yeah, they were 25 and 27. I remember that off the top of my head. Yeah, and. A little before that, they were 24 and 25, and, and our friend Nico Fasella um, infamously texted Daniel, like, uh, imagine, imagine the, the, the best team in the NL Central, which I, which I claimed them in 2021. Before the season started. Yes. And, yeah, I, to be fair, I was on Nico's side of I thought the Cardinals were going to win the division that year. I wasn't so uh, – I wasn't so arrogant about it, but I, I did agree with them. <laughs> yeah. No, you could have understood seeing the Brewers win in that yeah. division, even if you didn't agree with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, I, I'm kind of getting that vibe to go back to the discussion. I'm kind of getting that vibe 
right now. Like, you know, teams go through stretches. Um, and I think also part of it, like Woodruff's on the IL right now. Um, yes. Him coming back will be a quality addition. I think Brewers are hurting a little bit from that. Um, and he he hasn't been the exact same this year, but when you look at strikeout-to-walk strike numbers, he's kind of where he's always been at. Just needs to reduce some home runs, um, which sometimes just happens naturally with guys. Uh, so, yeah. You want to know how bad it is for the pitching staff right now? Uh, yeah, let me hear. The guy who – so since May 31st, which is the 12-game span that you mentioned, yeah, the guy who leads the team in pitching F4 – has 3.24 strikeouts per nine and 4.32 walks per nine. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you probably wouldn't even be able to guess who it is. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten it. It's it's Jason Alexander. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. He, he is, to be fair, he and Corbin Burns are tied at 0.2. But because, because of alphabetical order, Alexander comes before Burns. Which is yeah. kind of funny because it's A and B, but yeah, that's where that's where they're at right now. Yeah, yeah, not great. Um, and yeah, now it, it makes me curious of what their upcoming schedule is and see if they have a chance to get back on track. And also, being in that division, it shouldn't be too hard. To no, it's. I mean, track. it's. They are one of two teams. That is competing um, so in that got, division. Yeah, they got the, the Mets coming up um, at City Field, but then they are at Great American Ballpark to face Cincy, but then they have a pretty big series at American Family Field against the Brewers, and then at the same ballpark, they're facing the Blue Jays. Then they go to Tropicana. So I guess yeah, they have a, a bit of a competitive stretch coming up. Chris, I um, want to ask you an NL Central question. Yeah, go ahead. So the Pittsburgh Pirates are, I mean, they're 24 and 34. Like they're not, you know, they're still not anything really special. But, you know, based on the last couple of years compared to right now, they're in a much better position. They're in yeah. third in the National League Central. They're eight and a half games behind the Cardinals for the for the uh, division lead. They are eight games behind the Brewers. And they have a 62 weighted runs created plus out of the shortstop position and a minus 0.7 F4. Where do you think this team is if they called up O'Neill Cruz on opening day and kept him there? Um, minus 0.7. So, like, yeah, Cruz, yeah, if they just had him on opening day. Um, well, if you just did simple math, I mean, like, obviously baseball can be weird, but, like, I would imagine Cruz would have maybe, like, a win above replacement right now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably two more. That's and, around what I would have said. And they'd be 26 and... 26 and 32. And 32. And six be, and a half games back in yes, middle of June. Yeah. Yeah. Like, These things have effects. They're real. Yeah, it is. That's... Um, they have a... They have... They have the worst Pythagorean win-loss in Major League Baseball. <laughs> which is kind of funny, but... The Pirates... <laughs> Yeah, oh, wow. and it's not it's not even close. Wow, they're point three behind the Royals. It's second to last. Because David Bednar is winning them all those one. Exactly. No, literally, that's what it is. It's 
they have an elite back end of the bullpen, literally because of Will Crow and David Bednar. Yeah. And they have a subpar offense. <laughs> yeah, very subpar offense. Um, yeah, the Pirates cool. are closer than you think. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the old um, what's on those rear view windows, the objects in the mirror are closer than it, they appear or whatever. Yeah. There's a guy, uh, so Baseball Reference has like the born on this day. There's a guy named Albert Youngblood who played two games in for the uh, Washington Senators uh, in 1922. And at the name note, it says, name is presented as Chief Youngblood in some sources. Yeah, I love that. Is he a 1920s baseball player or a 2020s SoundCloud rapper? Yeah. <laughs> Chief Youngblood. Yeah. Chief Youngblood is laying down tracks. I got to be first on that. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he in the two games he pitched, he had a 14.54 ERA. Yeah, well, he was... He had a 14.5 walks per nine, zero strikeouts per nine. Didn't give up a home run, though, so... Yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of people were hitting him out in 1922, not named Babe Ruth. Well, it's because instead of doing his strength and conditioning, he was writing lyrics. <laughs> he was he was preparing for a hundred years later when his his career would finally pop off. He was born, yeah, he was born on this day in 1900. Uh, so he made his be- his he made his debut on June 16th, so we're only three days away from the anniversary of nice. uh, of Chief Youngblood's debut. So yeah, happy 122nd birthday to Chief Youngblood. Um, we miss you every day. Yeah, I'll never forget July 6, 1968. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. The offense um, is the only thing that died this year. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that will do it for the trending teams, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. And now we'll get into players to highlight, or is there anything, uh, anything you want to get to? No. Uh, I mean, there was that story about uh, Joe Madden getting a mohawk. Oh, uh, that was that was objectively very funny. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just that's that's just a fact. Yeah, that it's funny. Yeah, I mean, like I part of me feels a little bad. Like I could just picture, imagine Joe Madden going to home to his wife with a mohawk explaining that he got fired yeah it's a real um if you if you didn't catch it uh there was a story that joe madden drew a mohawk to try to you know rally the angels into snapping out of their losing streak but the team never saw it because he got fired yeah yeah it's a real like this is this is what comes to my head when like (laughs) joe madden I can just imagine like he gets the call. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a phone call or actually no, they, they probably bring him into the office, but they bring him into the office and his head, you know, his head just naturally just gets itchy and he, he pulls that hat off and just in, in his head, it's just like, <laughs> it's, that's this might I, be, that's this might be, yeah, this might be the most Joe Madden story of all time. Yeah, 
like I feel bad because I hate that like you know obviously he's a well-renowned manager if he if this is the third team he's managed but actually didn't he manage the Angels like another time before the Rays in like the late 90s or something early 2000s maybe and actually that yeah. had it been the late 90s definitely wasn't in the Mike Sosha era yeah. but like I mean he's been you know I hate to say fired because sometimes it's just the right thing to move on regardless of how a manager is, but he got fired from the angels. You could probably say he got fired from the Cubs. I know that they kind of had a different sort of, you know, they were kind of going through a culture change and that was necessary, but you know, he was coming off of a year where they missed the playoffs for the first time in his tenure. Uh, They collapsed in the month of September. Like then, you know, he, he got fired you know, it might not feel that way, but you could sort of make the case that it does. The Rays is probably like the, I guess, the least. Yeah, because he almost just kind of jumped ship. Yeah. It, but that, I mean, like, that's what it felt like. You know, most Joe Madden story gets fired and yeah. does something like this in the same day. I've never felt so bad for a guy sporting a mohawk. <laughs> like, I don't, you're not supposed to be like sad while you're while you have a mohawk you're supposed to be like you're supposed to be a cool dude yeah yeah you're supposed to be no like, one no one gets a mohawk and feels awkward about it yeah no it's a very confident yeah move and you have to you have to keep your head high and it's hard to do that after being fired by the angels yeah um so uh t's and p's but you know he'll he'll find his way around i'm i'm sure about that yeah he'll I don't know if he's managing again, but he'll he'll find other work somewhere. I feel like I have no idea how much interest he has in this, but I think if he went to ESPN, MLB Network, somewhere, I think he's getting ratings. Oh, no doubt. Like, <laughs> he's basically been, like, the manager version of a media darling since, yeah. since he took over the Rays pretty much. Imagine like the the Fox MLB sets with uh, with like A Rod and David Ortiz and adding Joe Madden to that. Yeah, uh, um, like three like, and yeah, they'd have so many stories like just being in the A at least for so long. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, I'm already looking forward to it. There's nothing. <laughs> it hasn't happened. That's. I think we just yeah we just solved Joe Madden's problems. Yeah. Yeah. Just go. Hey, you like you know a lot about the game. I'm sure you'd be open to talking about it. Just go in the. Go and uh, talk about it on TV in front of millions of people. Exactly. Yeah. Easy as that. Story about Andy Sonnenstein or something. something (laughs) Andy Sonnenstein, Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, (laughs) anything else you want to get into before our players? I think think that's everything. Um, Uh, We we had to touch on that, though. Yeah. It's it's too funny not not to talk about. I feel bad, but also I think even Joe Madden, like he probably doesn't think it now, but years down the line, he'll be like, you know, that was pretty funny. Yeah. It, it yeah. You just, yeah, it's, it's probably hardest to laugh at yourself after being fired, but like. Enough time will pass it's, and he'll, he'll get back on his feet and he'll be like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he'll be with a new team. It'll, he'll, it'll have all worked out and yeah, you just got to laugh. Mm-hmm. Um. So on to our 
Monday, June 13, 2022 edition of How About That? Um, who do you got for us today? So for my How About That, I talked about a guy who I also highlighted as a, as a How About That last year, uh, Garrett Cooper. Nice. From, <coughs> excuse me. Garrett Cooper from the Miami Marlins. Uh, since May 20th, he is slashing 455, 507, 682 for an 1189 OP, or OPS. He has a 234 weighted runs created plus over that span that leads the National League. Uh, his line drive rate is currently at 31%. That is very good. It is the seventh highest among the 226 hitters with at least 200. Uh, wow. I think I, uh, I, I messed that up. All right. That is the seventh highest line drive rate among the 226 hitters with at least a hundred batted balls. And possibly even more impressive is that he is one of five hitters in baseball with a hundred batted balls and zero pop-ups. He hasn't popped a ball up yet. Ever the, I think the highest launch angle he has on any batted ball is 56 degrees and you need, you need to be 60 for a pop-up, I believe. So that's, that's very impressive. And he is also hitting 411 on four seam fastballs this year. That is the fourth highest batting average among the 323 hitters with at least 50 plate appearances ending on a specific pitch. And I think this is the most eye-opening thing about him. He goes so under the radar since the start of 2020. That is a two and a half year span, we'll call it. He ranks 20th in weighted runs created plus and 10th in OBP among the 265 hitters with at least 500 plate appearances. I know that's not a lot for that time because unfortunately he hasn't been healthy. And also, you know, 2020 and 2022 have both been abbreviated seasons to this point. But when he's on the field, he is one of the best hitters in the game and he gets virtually zero recognition for that. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Cooper. How about that? Yeah, almost a uh, like branded Nimmo situation. Yes. Um, but on the Marlins, so it's even more under the radar yeah. than, than on the Mets. Yeah, like getting on base like crazy, but um, getting hurt a little bit. So it's not as recognized, but maybe one day. Um, also, also a little noteworthy, he... Um, was in the John Carlos Stanton trade. Yes, he was. Was traded from the Yankees what, now like four and a half years ago, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, my how about that? Oh, I don't even have the uh, rep sheet pulled up yet. Um, yeah, my how about that? It's an interesting one. I, I didn't really go off of like, this is a how about that that's basically fully off of um expected statistics um so you know just this is this is an interesting one i'm talking about christian betancourt a uh a catcher slash i imagine he's getting some dh time as well on the oakland athletics um so this season it is his first time in the mlb since 2017 or 2017 uh not 2017 and he had been with three MLB organizations and a KBO team since his last time in Major League Baseball. And this season, in uh, over 120 plate appearances, he has a 322 expected batting average, a 657 expected slugging, and a 424 expected WOBA. And he has a 16.5% barrel rate. Uh, pretty insane. 
Uh, also, out of 353 batters with 50-plus batted balls this season, Betancourt's uh, expected batting average ranks 10th. His expected slugging ranks 6th out of 353. And his expected Woba ranks 9th. Um, and he really came out in, in the A's most recent series against the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, in that four-game series, he had 10 batted balls at 102 plus miles per hour, and he had eight barrels in those four games. And his expected slugging in those four games was 1671. Uh, and out of 142 batters with 10 plus batted balls in that four day span, uh, he had the obviously had the highest expect, expected slugging. And the next best was more than 500 points less than his expected slugging. So uh, Christian Betancourt, he's an interesting case because his actual stats have him at like a 110 OPS plus, but his uh, his expected WOBA and WOBA difference is about 100 points, which is pretty wild. Um, it's like one of the biggest differences out there, I would guess. Um, and I don't know, he's on the A's, so potential trade target, I guess. Um, so watch out for him. He's a, I think he's 30 years old, so you know, not necessarily on the younger side, but uh, a very interesting player. And he's hammering the ball this year with a 657 expected slugging uh, all year and really killed it this these past uh, four days. And he's getting my. How about that? Um, so, yeah, uh, now we go from the highs to the lows, but we're talking uh, players or subjects that have been underperforming with our Monday, June 13, 2022 edition of Slightly Alarming. Uh, who's been slightly alarming for you? Uh, my sli- First of all, I just want to say, Chris, that was some of your finest work. Oh, thank you. That was that was very cool. I <laughs> Usually when you do the how about that, like you'll list off your player. I'll be like, all right, yeah, that guy has been doing pretty well. No idea about Christian Bethencourt. That was dope. I was, so, I was diving because like when I was looking at the fan graphs leaderboards, it was, it was a lot of familiar names, and I was like, "It was, like, it oh. was a tough. It's tough in these times. Sometimes that'll happen over 162. There'll just be no <laughs> under the radar guys that are doing ex, like extremely well. It's like, wow. Have you guys? I don't know if you guys knew this. Aaron Judge is doing very well right now. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? He bet on himself. Yeah, <laughs> he bet on himself. Give and him no one's talking back. about that. All rise. All rise. Can you believe no one offered him $360 million as a 30-year-old? Yeah. It's like, I, hey, I still do. With an injury history? Yeah. Yeah, he just played his first full season since 2017. <laughs> um, um, my slightly alarming is another free agent to be who would be a trade target, but with the way he's performing, it's hard to imagine a lot of teams are going to really want him is Robbie Grossman. I hate to start. I hate to talk about the Tigers again, because oh boy. this is the, this is the third time they've kind of randomly come up in the show. We yeah. didn't plan to talk about them at all, but um, Robbie Grossman is currently slashing 204, 312, 245, 557 for a 70 weighted runs created. Plus he is still getting his walks in, but he is just not hitting the ball at all. He's also not playing defense or base running because his negative 0.8 F4 is tied for the worst of the majors, minimum 160 plate appearances. Uh, he's tied with one other person off the top of my head. I do not remember who it was. I think it was, oh, it was uh, Christian Pache, I believe. 
Um, he has a .41 ISO because the only extra base hits he has are six doubles, and that is the second worst on that same list. The only person above him is Nicky Lo- or the person, only person he is above is Nicky Lopez, which isn't good. Yeah. Uh, his strikeout rate has never surpassed 24.9% in any single season, uh, and that was in 2014. This year it is at 30.6%. So he is crushing his career high, which was set eight years ago. And uh, it has gone up 7.5% since last year, which is the third highest increase in the majors. So, you know, I, I, I thought about Robbie Grossman as a trade target last year. We mentioned trade targets for every team. Robbie Grossman hasn't really come up and it's really just because of the way he's been performing and not due to the fact that his team is unwilling to trade him in any reports. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not showing a lot of value right now. Robbie Grossman. Slightly alarming. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was some, when we were doing trade deadline talks, he came up last year, but then he didn't get traded because, you know, there's potential for the 2022 Tigers, but. Um, hasn't been shown yet, uh, but uh, my slightly alarming is in the same division. Um, it's with a, another team that's underperforming, but I guess they have a bigger sp- spotlight on them. Um, I'm talking about Yoan Moncada, who he was injured to start the year, and since coming off the IL, he is hitting 132 with a 386 OPS in 25 games, and in his last 20 games. He is hitting 100 with a 239 OPS and a negative 42 weighted runs created plus. Uh, in this span, out of 212 batters with 70 plus plate appearances, his average on base percentage, slugging OPS, and weighted runs created plus all rank dead last. Uh, his average exit velocity in this span is also 84.9 miles per hour. Um, for those unaware, the average exit velocity is usually around 88 miles per hour, and Yuan Mankata is also usually someone that's well above the average exit velocity. Um, I remember just looking at his Savant page and seeing one year his average exit velocity was like around 93, and it's usually consistently in the 90s. So for him to have a, an average exit velocity around 85 miles per hour, uh, not a good sign from Yuan Mankata. Also, his line drive rate on the year. Uh, as a whole is 12.5%. Last year was uh, 31%. And yeah, his, he's got some soft contact and when he's making contact, it is, uh, you know, not in the direction he wants it to go, wants to be hitting more line drives, uh, which is not happening. So Yoan Mankata. Slightly alarming. Um, So that will do it for players to highlight where, um, Talking, talking some guys that have been doing very well, talking some guys who have been struggling. And uh, we'll get into a preview of the week ahead. Um, I will be talking about some series to look out for. And Daniel will be looking at the day-by-day uh, pitching matchups. Uh, in terms of series to watch, I got nothing that starts tonight that um, really pops out. But... Um, in terms of what starts tomorrow, um, you have, uh, as we previously alluded to, we have Mets Brewers, which uh, should be interesting. Brewers have been struggling as of late, as we uh, talked about a good amount. Mets have been doing, you know, they've been 
treading water lately against uh, higher profile teams, um, which is kind of good. That will be at City Field, and that should be a three gamer if I'm uh, not mistaken. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be three games, and yeah, uh, some decent pitching matchups, and then uh, the other series to watch would be coming also out of New York uh, at Yankee Stadium between the Yankees and Rays. And actually, uh, I did a little, I did some slight digging um, on the Yankees and every opponent the Yankees have faced, they have a winning record against, except for the Rays. I'm talking about this year. Um, they had a split against the Rays, so it's not that bad against the Rays. But worth noting that the Yankees have had a winning record against every team they faced this year except for the Rays. So that should be an interesting series to watch. That should also be three games. Yeah, that'll be three games. Tuesday through Thursday, both of those series uh, start Tuesday night. Um, what do you got for the day-by-day -day pitching matchups? Yeah, uh, so hang on. Let me just check this guy. Okay, yeah, no, that's not. I'm just looking at what I'm going to put for match with the night. I have three out of, out of four decided. Uh there's one day that just doesn't have a ton of great matchups tonight. I don't know if this, these most, most of these might've already happened by the time you're listening to this, but on Monday night, uh, Ian Anderson versus Josiah Gray in Braves nationals at nationals park. You're going to have uh, Alec Manoa pitching for the blue Jays in the Rogers center against the Orioles. Lance Lynn making his return from the IL and his season debut against the tigers in Comerica. The white Sox are going to need that. I forgot to mention uh, but you mentioned Yohan Moncada on slightly alarming and the way this season's going, I could see the White Sox becoming this year's Padres where every single person on the team gets a slightly alarming at some point. Because <laughs> like, I've already highlighted Yasmani Grandal. You talked about Moncada. Yeah. It feels like watch that out. could be a thing. Watch out, Lucas Giolito. You got a yeah. couple, couple more, couple more bad starts. You uh, Darvish will be. You Darvish will be pitching for the Padres against the Cubs at Wrigley. Of course, you Darvish, a former Cub. Weird to think of it that way, but he did have probably the best season of his career there in 2020. Yeah. Which is very funny. Yeah. Um, in Astros Rangers, the Texas series, you have Christian Javier against Taylor Hearn tonight. Uh, you have Brady Singer versus Alex Wood in the 2014 World Series rematch. Um, yeah. Was Royals a Giants. Brady Singer been very under the radar this year, by the way. Uh, Chris Archer versus Chris Flexen. Royals. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Archer versus Chris Flexen. Matchup of the night is a is a no brainer. It comes to us from Marlins Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. It's going to be Sandy Alcantara versus Aaron Nola. Ooh. Yeah. That's that's the easiest one. Uh, Tuesday is not the greatest day for matchups. Uh, JT Brubaker versus Matt Libertor in uh, Pirates Cardinals. And then Bryce Wilson and Miles Michaelis in the second end of that doubleheader in St. Louis. Max Fried will be pitching for the uh, Braves against the Nats. The Nats have not announced the starter. Uh, Trevor Rogers and Zach Eflin will be facing each other in Marlins Phillies. Trevor Rogers looking to build off of. I mean, he hasn't had a, he hasn't had the best season so far. Uh, he's looking to build up to something. Yusei Kikuchi will be facing the Orioles at the Rogers Center. Nick Pavetta will be facing the A's at Fenway. He's been on a really good run lately. Dylan Cease will be facing the Tigers at Comerica. 
Uh, Jose Arquiti and Dane Dunning will face each other in Astros Rangers. Shane Bieber will face the Rockies at Coors. Uh, Tyler Malley will pitch for the Reds at Chase Field. Chris Bubich and Logan Webb will face each other in uh, Royals Giants. Noah Syndergaard and Tony Gonsolin will face each other in the uh, Freeway Series. Logan Gilbert will pitch for the Mariners against the Twins. The Twins have yet to announce a starter. Uh, match for the night. Aaron, actually, no. Um, okay, you also have Adrian Hauser and Chris Bassett facing each other in Brewers and Mets. Match for the night comes in Rays Yankees. It is a uh, it is Corey Kluber versus Garrett Cole. You got a former could, Cy Young winner in there. Could qualify as a 2014 classic. Yeah, it could. Even though Garrett Cole's prime wasn't around there, but no, I mean, listen, I I kind of threw Zach Wheeler in it last time, so yeah. you know it is what it is. Yeah. On Wednesday, you will have Pablo Lopez facing Kyle Gibson in Phillies versus Marlins at Citizens Bank. Um, Dylan Cease will be pitching on zero days rest. Hello? <laughs> did I did I see it right that he was going to be pitching on... Yeah, okay. Dylan Cease is going to be pitching on zero days rest, which is really crazy. He's going to be pitching. Real old school. Yeah. <laughs> he knows he's getting fired soon, so he's like, you know what? I'm going to manage like it's 30 years ago. Yeah, even though that was never a thing, except for like in the demo era. Yeah, Dylan Cease will be pitching on zero days rest. That's going to be amazing. Uh, Luis Garcia will face the Rangers for the Astros. Well, that's a good matchup, but I'm I think there's a better one out there. Uh, Luis Castillo will be facing Zach Gallen in Reds Diamondbacks. Marco Gonzalez will be facing the Twins for the Mariners. Spencer Strider will be facing Eric Fetty in uh, Braves Nats. Jose Barrios will be facing the Orioles at the Rogers Center. James Caprillion will be facing the Red Sox at, Fen- at Fenway. Uh, Corbin Burns will be facing the Mets at City Field. Uh, Rosny Contreras will be facing the Cardinals at Bush. Austin Gomber will be facing the Guardians at Coors. He's been a very boomer bust pitcher in each of his starts. Uh, but it's been interesting. Reed Demers and Tyler Anderson will be facing each other at Dodger Stadium. Matchup of the day, once again, comes from Rays Yankees. It's going to be Shane McClanahan versus Nestor Cortez. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, hard Maybe to get. Like real breakout, specific breakout pitchers for this year. Lefties, too. Lefties, yep. Yeah. For On Thursday, uh, Chris and I will both be in attendance uh, for Paul Blackburn to face the Red Sox. We know that he's been having a breakout year, and we wanted to see it for ourselves. We, yeah. It was also very unplanned, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, found out today. Um, I found, we found out right before we were recording that we happened to both be going to the game. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Wells and Kevin Gosman will be facing each other in Orioles-Blue Jays. This is on Thursday. Tristan McKenzie will be facing the Rockies for the Guardians. Zach Wheeler will be facing the Nationals for the Phillies. Drew Rasmussen and Luis Severino will be facing each other in uh, Rays Yankees. And the matchup of the day comes from, or matchup of the night comes from Brewers Mets, Aaron Ashby versus Tyler McGill. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right, well, that should do it for Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are following on social media or no you're not following us on social media uh follow us do follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta and follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore current and follow the show instagram at above replacement radio also if you are listening on apple Podcasts or spotify 
and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you um, sometime in the future where we are talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>